Today, I want to take a look at an article from Benzing about why cannabis businesses fail. I think we're going to see a lot more of that, whether it's mergers and acquisitions of, you know, acquired companies and you think it's a success. Um, you know, those certain brands are not going to be a, a legacy. They're not going to remain for very long. There's going to be a lot of capitulation, consolidation, all of that. So we're going to look at markets. Um, you know, the reason people fail is because of the markets, because of population, because of the adjoining states taking market share away. And then three skill sets you need. Also going to look at an example from uh, Flow Cannabis, the once high flying company falling back down to earth and what the lessons are, as well as a local lesson here in Washington State of somebody who lost everything. All of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Before we get into a couple specifics with Flow Cannabis and this other one, I'm not going to name the name. I'm just going to tell you what happened. That's the learning lesson in and of itself. But just starting off in generalities about why cannabis businesses fail. One of those is because of the market. Uh, there's a total number of licenses and that matters. Look at Oklahoma, 7,500 licenses versus uh, a limited license state like Arizona. And per location, you get 25 million. You can't even give away a license in Washington state. That's for another reason. Maybe we'll get into that. Uh, but with Oregon and Oklahoma, very limited. There's a few farms or businesses that got sold for 800, 900 million in Oregon from a California company Select. But those weren't really an arm's length deal. So there's reasons behind that. I'm not really going to get into that and cover that at all, but just saying that the number of licenses matter. Limited license state is going to be a lot more advantageous and you're going to survive a lot longer um, having something that's more valuable. Um, so moving on to population matters. If you're not stuck in Saskatchewan, but if you just happen to be in a place where there's no one who lives there, um, like I imagine the Dakotas or Wyoming, very limited place where you know Saskatchewan made 15 million on average per month. Uh, not a lot. So it's definitely going to matter where you're at. In Washington State, there was a guy who had uh, the most prominent rec store. It was called a Pacific uh pacific northwest resource center and um he ended up getting a license in the middle of nowhere and literally couldn't give it away he just gave it back to the state it was worth nothing to everyone because of where it was at so population matters location matters that used to be a thing remember in real estate when it was about location 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 and now that it's a bubble and it doesn't matter um that's a completely different topic though <laughs> Uh, adjoining states matter. Um, you know, when you look at the uh, west side of Texas, that's really going to help out um, a, a state like New Mexico that's not really populated very well. So they're going to absolutely need that. And those states that are on the border there are going to do really well until Texas legalizes. And then afterwards, it's going to probably be about craft, select, local. And most of them, you know, will fail, if not all of them. There may only be um, certain regional ones. I mean, there's certain craft brewers in, in every state that that have done fairly well. So maybe that's what uh, maybe that's what it's going to have to be is is craft local growers. So this article goes on to say that there are some skills 
that you need uh, that people make it or break it. That's kind of the point that I'm going to get into later about this example from Washington State. Now, this guy lost everything. Uh, you know, we'll get into flow cannabis as well. But here's uh, some here's like three points that you need to know um, in, in what makes it with the individuals. Got to surround yourself with the right people. You know, if you're out there making deals, you got to make sure that there's a business development person, that you have the right legal counsel, that uh, you've got, you know, a capital market analyst or somebody who understands the financials. And I'm not talking about a CPA. Um, and there's, uh, there's other people. Um, so team, it's the biggest factor in success or failure. So no matter what, you've got to find somebody who's dedicated, intelligent, not just altruistic, um, but making sure that there's the right amount of, of uh, professionalism and understanding of the industry. If you don't understand the industry, you're not going to make it. Um, the individuals who say, uh, I'm not a stoner bias, you know, I'm a salesperson. I, this is a CPG industry. This is a, a, an ingredient um, look at what happened with Til Tilray and Brandon Kennedy, who said the same thing. Uh, he had to just merge and get rid of it and find something else to do uh, because his brand has no resonance. resonance. Uh, people didn't care about it because he never connected with the industry, even though he was just selling you know, a, a CBD to some soccer moms, the THC brands went nowhere. Uh, so that's a lesson learned to, to anybody else who comes into the industry. You can't just treat this like a CPG company, consumer product goods company. You have to uh, really understand what it is. So getting rid of that, you know, I'm not a stoner bias. Um, it's, it's about the culture, I, I think, regardless of who you're trying to sell to. Um, and some of these overpaid C-suite executives um, are just pump and dump people. Uh, you know, when you look at, at executives that left Canopy or Aurora and what they're doing now, they're, they're doing the same thing. You know, they left those companies with 3 billion and 1 billion of write-offs. And what are they doing now? They're in psychedelics running the same public relations scam with press release, not scam, but um, just not legitimate in my opinion. Like these aren't companies that are generating revenue. They're generating hype. And one, you know, one of the guys is is out in Thailand drumming up tourism when it's 0.2% THC. It's not generating any kind of interest. It's just hype uh, for uh, investors who don't know otherwise. So a lot of overpaid um, executive people who don't really understand what they're doing. But um, egos in the way of hiring individuals who truly know what they're uh, what they're doing, uh, but they don't care. They've got so much money to throw around. It doesn't really matter when you're literally writing off billions of dollars. But as of right now, we haven't seen a lot of failures in cannabis. The, we're going to see a lot more moving forward. And some companies like um, Flow Cannabis is going to be one of those. So there's some lessons to be learned. Like I mentioned before on podcasts that practice doesn't make perfect, failure does. So looking at Flow Cannabis and what we can learn uh, from their, their failures. This is supposed to be one of the, the big cannabis companies, and they had early first mover advantages. In 2017, they bought a Northern California wine estate. They wanted to transform that property into a cannabis institute. All these people had the same thing this early on. Um, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, kind of came out recently, said it. A lot of people have said it. And it's really just kind of this public relations thing of like, wow, look what they're doing. So trying to build a cannabis museum and dispensary and... Um, 
the world's largest cannabis supply chain. Uh, they were supposed to be big. So the massive California markets, um, they were talking about putting $200 million in the company in 2018, 2019. And then the CEO was, was trying to claim that this is going to be just like Uber or Whole Foods um, in terms of you know, market share and profit. But once the press releases stop flowing, Flow Cannabis um, doesn't really know what they're going to be doing. There's layoffs, executive departures. There's no one's giving them money. So there's some tight funding issues. Another round of layoffs is coming. And due to the California market, there's a reduction in their, their uh, force. So in addition, accelerating uh, their fall was the fact that the high stakes wager was predicted on federal legalization. <laughs> Some of the executives try to blame uh, thriving underground markets, trying to undercut the retailers. Some blame a broken regulatory system, but really it's about ill-advised assumptions. They thought that there was going to be legalization. They didn't realize or think about prices tumbling like nobody does. And everyone puts in their pitch deck that they're going to have $3,000 a pound forever. Yeah, tumbling wholesale prices, retail, people are really pulling back. Inflation is a bitch right now. And uh, so many other things. They've abandoned a lot of other contracts and have disputes. A lot of people are just getting kind of salty on them for, for pulling out of the deals because they moved too early, wasted their money on tourism and BS rather than a, a true fundamental plan that was going to generate real revenue because the people in place had no idea. They were just kind of PR hype people, not really business development. So several farmers told the uh, Marijuana Business Daily that they felt used at the end of the day. Uh, they felt that they used the farmers and the products that they got and able, in order to attract more investment capital, kind of what it sounds like. They didn't really know what they were doing. During the winter of 2019-2020, 20 of the 23 contracted farmers parted ways with the company. Farmers cited that a pricing discrepancy that required growers to take a lower payout than they were contracted to was, yeah, that is not cool. So they, oh my God, that's like 30%. They were going to offer $1,500 a pound and then they just were like, nah, here's a thousand bucks instead. So nah, that's not good business practice at all. One person said the most valuable currency in the Emerald Triangle is your loyalty to people. I think that's kind of a, a great segue into uh, the last story for, for this podcast episode, which is the failure of a company here locally in Washington State ran by a military veteran who built a brand um, over the last five, six years, whatever, um, long time, and started to become a really reputable, solid brand, but they wanted to do more and kind of get out there. They brought in a consultant. There wasn't a lot of due diligence done. Um, the team that was at this uh, production facility, they, they grow and make um, joints and, and flour. And um, I don't think they make edibles, but they needed some help. Um, I don't think there was a board of directors. I don't think there was a business development person. I don't think there was a legal counsel. I don't think there was anybody like that, unfortunately, uh, which is the case for so many of these 
these individuals and why so many more companies are going to fail is because they don't have the right individuals in place. So what ended up happening was um, that the contract wasn't read thoroughly enough. It was signed anyways. And at the end of the day, um, certain goals or milestones weren't met. And unbeknownst to the CEO, the founder, the person running everything from social media to I mean, this guy put in, him and his wife put in everything. Um, date nights were, you know, uh, at, at dispensaries, you know, for vendor days. Like they sacrificed a lot for for this. And it was just, it sucks to, to hear that. But totally avoidable at the same time. Absolutely avoidable. Um, just again, by bringing up the right team on board that you know and that you trust uh, when your back's against the wall and you just kind of bring in some consultant uh, and you hope the best, but then you don't do your due diligence and read like, come on, man, you got to read the contract. I have a, an attorney read it because if you don't, it only takes a couple of missteps in order to lose everything and literally lost the whole company. So he's no longer CEO, no longer in charge of anything. I think maybe he still has a board seat, maybe, um, but that's not going to help him at all. So uh, there's, there's ways of, um, of losing a business from infighting to trying to scale you see that with restaurants a lot they'll, they'll add a location and then just crumble when the first one was really good same kind of concept uh, when you start to look for investors uh, and you start to stretch yourself too thin it just kind of all falls apart unless you have a solid team to support that scale and expansion um, and unfortunately there's a lot of good people out there that um, just don't have the wherewithal the business sense to ask for help um so really unfortunate really sad um but i think all too familiar it's going to happen a lot more a lot more consolidation capitulation closures um quote-unquote bankruptcies and just people uh losing a lot of time and money uh, because they didn't see these certain things coming. They think they're going to be a legacy and be around forever. They're not looking for exit strategies. They're not looking to scale, expand, or get out of the game. They think they're just going to be around. Um, and it's just not going to, it's not going to be the, the case at all. So uh, really unfortunate uh, to see this play out, but um, nothing new if you've been listening to the podcast for the last three years, we've been calling for it. So um, keep you updated on, on some more news. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate. And I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and, of course, my favorite cannabis products. 
The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.